This podcast is brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. Have you yourself ever wanted to become a podcaster? Well, Spotify makes it simple and easy to do so. You can record, edit, and even distribute your podcast straight from their app. The best part? It is absolutely 100% free. Visit their website, podcasters.spotify.com, for more details and download the app on your Apple or Android devices today to get started on your podcasting adventure. That's Spotify for Podcasters. What's going on, everybody? Travis Fowler, Harkrider, back again with the Four Corner Podcast after a week away, which means we have a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it, and let's talk pro wrestling. So this week we saw the fallout from a lot of big, um, I don't want to call them pay-per-views. I know some are called premium live events, some are just called special events, whatever you want to refer to them as. We saw a bunch of them. This past week, uh, the fallout shows took place and then the shows themselves took place um, just about a week ago from the time I'm recording, which is on a Sunday. So double or nothing was a week ago from today. And then we had the NXT Battleground show on the same day. The day before we had Night of Champions. And then the night before that, we had Under Siege for Impact Wrestling. And a lot went on there, like a lot. And I'll get into the amount of wrestling in a different topic later. But overall, each event brought something different to them. Um, if I'm being honest, I think if I were to rate which events would go on in an order of how much they entertained me, uh, Impact Wrestling Under Siege would probably start out mainly because there was only a few matches I was really interested in seeing, to be honest. And that's not to say that Impact doesn't still have a great product. You've heard me sing their praises on this show for a long time, especially even back before we were doing the podcast and I was just doing the best wrestling show video on YouTube. Um, I used to say Impact Wrestling had the best booking and consistency of any of the main wrestling organizations stateside, and I think you could still probably hold them to that. But overall, Under Siege really just didn't have a whole lot of interest for me, except for just a handful of matches. Um, one of them being was the PCO and Steve Macklin main event, which was a no disqualification match. And oh man, I have never seen anything like it done, but there was cinder blocks involved. There was blood and a lot of violence, especially when Steve Macklin used a staple gun to staple the mouth of PCO shut. If you hadn't seen it, just go and look for it. It's not hard to find. And it, it literally was like, I've never seen anything like that. And it was unbelievable that somebody was willing to do that. Um, Night of Champions actually had a couple of surprises. Um, obviously, the biggest surprise came in the main event, but I was actually surprised to see Bianca Belair lose the Raw Women's title to Asuka. Not that I had an issue with it, just I was surprised they actually did it. Um, of course, we saw a couple other things on that show that was worth noting. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar had their match, and Lesnar actually won this one by a pass out. Um, take that with what you will. 
And then everything else pretty much just fell right into place with what we expected when it came towards the championship matches and who retained, who didn't, things like that, um, or who lost in the sense it's not just retained. But um, it wasn't a bad show. So Night of Champions, I think I would actually, well, if I'm being honest, I think it would go at number two, which means who would be at number three? I hate saying it, but AEW Double or Nothing was pretty much like what Impact's Under Siege was for me. Um, there was only a handful of matches I was really interested in, and if I'm being even more honest, I think there was only two that really caught my interest, and that was the Anarchy in the Arena match and then the Four Pillars Fatal 4-Way match. Both of which were really good. And honestly, I don't think there was really a horrible match on the Double or Nothing card. But I just wasn't interested in a lot of the stories that were going into the event. And on top of that, the lackluster Lost Vegas crowd in T-Mobile was very much a deflating situation for AEW. I know they popped in certain circumstances, um, like when Jade Cargill lost the TBS title finally after she had just beat uh, Taya. It was like, oh wait, Chris Statlander's back, and then beats her in just a few seconds. Um, now she's the TBS champion, which is cool. I'm glad they finally got the belt off Jade, and now we'll see what they do with her going forward. But outside of just a few pops here and there, nobody really reacted much to the entire event, which was really disappointing overall. Um, the Anarchy in the Arena match had the stupid and very nonsensical playing of Wild Thing in a live performance by Violent Idols. And I'm just like, okay, like after you heard it all the way through for like the second time, maybe even the third, if you're generous enough, it's like, come on, cut it off, just stop. And they had it going forever, but it was a lot of fun in a match itself. And then the fatal four-way pillars match was fun. Also having everybody in a submission hold at one point in time was a really fun spot. So Props to everybody. Y'all did great on it. I just wish the show had been just a little bit more entertaining. But for my money, I enjoyed NXT Battleground quite a bit. And I would put that as my favorite show that I enjoyed of last weekend if you're wanting me to be upfront about it. So if you're keeping score, Under Siege for Impact, Double or Nothing for AEW, Night of Champions for WWE, and NXT Battleground for the order of which I would say from least to most excited and most enjoyed. Um, on the uh, Night of Champions, we saw Jimmy Uso kick Roman Reigns, which literally my face looked like this. And for those of you that aren't watching on YouTube and just listening to the audio, my jaw literally opened up in shock that they did that because I could see it coming. I really thought that they were at least going to save something like that for money in the bank. So it really caught me off guard when they actually pulled the trigger sooner than what I anticipated and it all made sense as well. They threw in the red herring of the Usos not being able to go to Saudi and then showing up out of the blue, which was really nice. It was very unexpected, and it also made that moment that much more special. And by the way, I noticed that over the last few events, all of which I believe have taken place on foreign soil with at least Night of Champions and with uh, Backlash, and now we've got Money in the Bank coming up in London, 
uh, the pay-per-views have all taken place overseas since WrestleMania, and the crowds, both the Saudi crowd and the Puerto Rico crowd, have been absolutely on fire, which goes a long way to really enjoying a pay-per-view personally. And I think overall people would agree with that sentiment. The fallout, though, from each of these shows... Eh, some of them were a little lackluster. On the NXT side of things, the two things that came out of this past week's episode was the Tiffany Stratton celebration, which she announced a battle royal to take place this upcoming week to determine the number one contender for her NXT women's title. On the Raw side of things, Seth Rollins is now officially the world heavyweight champion after Night of Champions, and I couldn't be more happy to see that. The puzzling factor of having AJ Styles, even though AJ's my boy, him being on Raw, even for just a cameo, was really weird and it was very unnecessary. And as it was later reported, it was a last-minute call, and you can all kind of imagine who probably made that determination and said, hey, we need AJ, even though you didn't. Um, they may have ended the show, and then we had the Money in the Bank qualifying matches start taking place. But really, I only have one person that I think at this moment I think has an odd opportunity and a legit chance to walk away with that Money in the Bank. We'll see once the field uh, completely fills out. But right now, I am taking L.A. Knight, who advanced on SmackDown to the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, he's right now the forerunner, and I think a lot of people would agree with that sentiment even though there's still plenty of time for other combatants to still make a mark. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura is in that match as well. And, I mean, we don't even know who all is going to be in this thing. So it'll be very fun, I think, overall for the London 02 crowd to enjoy uh, Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Um, also on SmackDown, we saw the unveiling of a new Undisputed Championship title to go with the 1,000-day celebration of Roman Reigns being champion, which in and of itself continued the disintegration of the bloodline. And a lot of people feel like it's going to lead to, with what happened, Solo turning on his brother to go with Roman. Now it looks like we've got the Usos taking on Sokoa and Reigns, and that could be the match that they set up for Money in the Bank. So I'm not mad about that. I know some people would kind of scoff at that because that means Roman's not defended the title since WrestleMania, and that's disappointing to an extent. But with the way that the story has progressed, at least on the bloodline side of things, for Roman, I think this is great, great storytelling on everybody's part, but specifically Roman, since this is what's been built around him for the last three years. But... On the AEW side of things, we saw um, the announcement of Swerve winning a triple threat match, which will now go on to next week, or this upcoming week, I should say, to see the international title of Swerve Strickland taking on Orange Cassidy. With the little bit that we saw them trade back and forth at the end of the Battle Royal at Double or Nothing, I'm excited for this match coming up this week. I cannot wait to watch it. Of course, we also saw at Double or Nothing that Don Callis has a new apprentice, and that's uh, Takeshna, which I'm not going to insult him by screwing up his first name. But uh, Don Callis, next to Dominic Mysterio, probably has the best heat going on right now in wrestling. And between the two, I think it's a 50-50 shot who you would say who has the better heat. But overall, great showing out um, on that side of things. 
Um, I didn't finish with the NXT part, so I will digress and head back there. We saw Mustafa Ali show up at NXT, which some people are like, I don't know why he's doing that. And in my opinion, why not? Because NXT is a place where guys like him can either go back to or just go to for the first time in Ali's case and thrive because you have a legit fan base that appreciates good wrestling and good wrestlers. And there are a ton that are on the NXT roster, uh, roster that Ali can work with. But the shocking one, I think, aside from Ali, was the arrival and return of Baron Corbin, who attacked Carmelo Hayes. This is a chance for Corbin, I think, to rebuild himself as well in a great way. Some people wanted the Lone Wolf gimmick to come back, which is where it originated in NXT. So this may be a return to form for Baron Corbin. Um, I think this is all good things for both Corbin and Ali. So before anybody, like I've already seen several people, if that's a surprise to no one, has already jumped on the we hate it bandwagon, why are they doing this to so-and-so and yada, yada, yada. Let's just keep doing what we've done basically for the full year and take a wait-and-see approach and see what comes out of this because it may end up being better than what you anticipate it to be. Um, back over to AEW. Um, Honestly, there was a lot of exchange of women's titles uh, over the last weekend. Like we said earlier with uh, Asuka taking the Raw women's title, which I still need them to fix that Raw SmackDown situation with their belts. The champions are on opposite shows. You need to fix it. And if you have to do that belt swapping BS, just get it done and out of the way because now it seems like the best resort at this moment to correct your mistake. But anyway... I'm going to digress and move back. On the AEW front, both the TBS title and the women's title switched hands at double or nothing with Chris Statlander, as we mentioned before, getting the TBS title. But Tony Storm beating Jamie Hayter was also another shocking incident that I did not foresee happening. Um, we saw a whole bunch more continue with the Soraya, Chris Jericho taking on Adam Cole and Britt Baker in the main event. Bullet Club Gold is starting to really take shape with these two guys, and I am not going to be surprised if we see a new member get added to BCG this upcoming week on AEW. Um, and then we've got some collision announcements to talk about. We have to talk about the official announcement and return of CM Punk. To that Saturday collision show. What all is it going to offer? We don't know. That's going to take place on June 17th. So only time will tell if this ends up being a good move, but it brings up something that we'll talk about here in just a little bit when it comes to TV and professional wrestling. Now, on to the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, and speaking of AEW and New Japan, two matches have been announced for that show taking place on, I believe it is, Sunday, June 25th, and we have two confirmed matches. The first is for the IWGP United States title. The rematch from this past year's Wrestle Kingdom, Will Ospreay taking on Kenny Omega, I already know that's going to be a fun match, but the match that was announced, or I should say at least the challenge was made, and I'm more than confident to say it's going to obviously happen at this point, is Kazuchika Okada taking on Brian Danielson. 
Me personally, and I think maybe a few others, were hoping for a different opponent at Danielson, but we have all in in London still coming up here in August for that to take place. And actually, that might be the better spot for it to happen. Of course, I'm mentioning Zach Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson. That is a big match that honestly can help pack that Wembley show. So hopefully, we get that. If we don't, I think it's a lost opportunity and it should happen at either All In London or it should have happened at Forbidden Door, but we know where that's going to go. But both matches, I think, are going to be fun to watch overall, especially Okada and Danielson. Okada's mentioned about working with Danielson before, and now he gets that opportunity. So it should be fun. Uh, and I think Forbidden Door may shape up to be overall a very entertaining show. And I'm kind of wondering what they're going to do with the Bullet Club, how the incarnation in Japan is already disowned BCG over here in the States. So how is that going to play out? And also, the Impact Wrestling roster has two members of Bullet Club, that being Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Where do they lie? Are they still with the OG BC? Or are they going to potentially become members of BCG? So who knows? There's a lot still going on, and I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. Now... MJF actually opened up a little bit on professional wrestling as a whole, stating that he wishes guys would learn how to work smarter and be more of a character as opposed to always concerning themselves with moves. And honestly, I really think he should actually speak a little bit louder for people in the back because I think that's what's missing in wrestling. There's a reason why characters like Rock, Austin, Flair, Hogan, Cena even, all have these great legacies. And it's strictly because their characters were more important first. And even The Undertaker was a character before he was a great in-ring worker. Um, and when I say character first, that's what got you noticing them first was their character before their in-ring styles. So I think he's on to something there. And I wish more people understood that, that if you can build your persona as opposed to taking daredevilish moves, then it might actually not only improve the overall wrestling product as a whole, but it'll definitely make for career longevity when it comes to these wrestlers who sacrifice so much of their body every single time they step foot in the ring. But I also wonder with the announcement of the AEW Collision show, is there too much wrestling on TV these days? Because me personally, I watch Raw, NXT, Impact, SmackDown, and AEW. And that's the five working days. I try to watch some Ring of Honor. It just doesn't really ever add up to me, and there's not a whole lot of intrigue there for me. But that's a full, that's the full weekday. Raw on Monday, NXT Tuesday, AEW on Wednesday, Thursday is Impact. And then Friday is SmackDown. That is a lot of wrestling. So with this Saturday Collision show, I know Eric Bischoff's been skeptical of it, um, strictly because, honestly, he has a point. There's not really a whole lot of a market, at least that we've seen, when it comes to Saturday and professional wrestling. Now, Saturday in sports, like the UFC, for instance, has capitalized on, and WWE has started doing that with their Saturday pay-per-views. And I think AEW has done the same thing. Um, we've seen that is beneficial to a degree, but 
Is a weekly Saturday show going to prove to be a little too much for AEW at this point? Hopefully it doesn't end up like Rampage, but only time will tell if that's the case. Now, one last little thing I want to talk about before we head out for the day. We saw the unveiling of the new Undisputed Championship, and honestly, it's nothing to get all wild up about. They just took the basic design they've already had for the last almost, what, 10 years, and just spray-painted gold behind the big W. The World Heavyweight title looks so much better anyway, but that also leads me to think about the money in the bank cash-in. They cashed in on a mid-card title last year. That theme is just really weird to me, so hopefully we won't see that again, and we'll only see it with the big titles. Um, I really think that devalues money in the bank when you go for mid-cards, so hopefully we won't see what we saw with Austin Theory last year happen again, and hopefully this is the end of that trend. But yeah, between the two titles that we've seen uh, taken uh, the four stage, if you will, for WWE, the World Heavyweight title is definitely the better looking title. All right, y'all. Well, that's all I got for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know some of your thoughts on any of the topics we talked about. Do you like the new Undisputed title? Is it better than the world title? What do you think of the Saturday Collision Show for AEW? And what was your favorite big event for wrestling last weekend? Sound off in those comments down below. Make sure you've subscribed to the YouTube channel and you're following us on all of our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, as always, I will be back next week to do another episode of the 4CP. But until that time, have a good week ahead and continue to love pro wrestling.